0: Chapter Twelve of King Arthur and His Knights. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Robin Cotter, July two thousand seven. King Arthur and His Knights by Maud L. Radford. Chapter Twelve How Arthur Fought with a Giant Once upon a time King Arthur and some of his knights were sailing in a ship. The king, being tired, went to sleep in his cabin, and began to dream. It seemed to him that he was sailing with his people when a great dragon flew out of the west. This dragon had a blue head and a gold back. Underneath he shone like a rainbow flames of fire rushed out of his mouth and covered land and sea as he flew there came out of the east a great bear very rough and as black as coal and with wings that flapped like windmills the bear and the dragon roared loudly and they began to fight and struggle till the sea was all red with blood at last the dragon conquered when the king awoke from this dream he sent for Merlin, and told him of it, and asked for an explanation. "'My lord,' Merlin replied, "'the dragon betokens yourself. The colours on its body are signs of your glory. The bear betokens some tyrant who torments the people, and whom you will slay.' Soon after this the ship in which the company was came in sight of land. When they had anchored, the knights noticed on the beach a crowd of people who were weeping, Descending from the ship, Arthur asked one of the men what troubled them, and what was the name of their country. "'Good sir,' returned the man, "'this is the country of Brittany, and we weep because our country is desolated by a giant. He makes us bring him food. First he ate up all the oxen we had, and then our horses. Next he demanded our children, and now there are no little ones in the land. Today he took our good Duchess of Brittany.' "'and carried her off to his mountain. "'Alas!' said the king. "'It grieves me to hear this, "'not only because a cruel deed has been done, "'but because the Duchess of Brittany is my cousin's wife. "'I must save this lady. "'I will fight with the giant.' "'Good sir!' cried the people in amazement. "'It is not possible. "'A whole company of us dare not attack him, "'and yet we account ourselves brave men.' "'That may well be,' replied Arthur, and yet with my good sword and scabbard I have no fear. Then the men said, "'If you will go, my lord, yonder is the great mountain where the giant lives. At the top two huge fires burn continually in front of a cave, and in that cave are greater treasures than you can dream of. They are all yours if you will but slay this monster.' Arthur replied nothing to them, but called Sir Kay and Sir Bedivere, and rode with them to the foot of the mountain." From that point he ascended alone. When he was nearly to the top, he came upon a woman, clad all in black, who sat weeping by the side of a newly made grave. "'Good woman, why do you weep?' asked Arthur. "'Hush, hush!' she cried, or the giant will hear you and come and kill you. He can hear me, but the sound of weeping delights him, and therefore I need not restrain my grief. "'Why do you grieve?' the king asked. "'Alas!' "'because my good mistress, the Duchess of Brittany, is dead. "'The giant has killed her.' "'At that Arthur gripped tightly the handle of his sword, and said, "'I will kill this wretch before I am an hour older.' "'Ah, my lord,' said the woman, "'the greatest kings in the country are afraid of him. "'He has a coat embroidered with the beards of fifteen of them. "'He demanded these beards as a sign that they acknowledged him as lord. "'There is at least one king who does not acknowledge him as lord.' shouted Arthur, as he strode hastily forward. When he reached the top he saw the giant asleep in front of the two great fires before the cave. He was taller than the tallest pine that ever grew, his arms were as big as the trunk of an oak tree, his mouth was as large as a cave, and from it and his nostrils came forth fire and flame, like that from the mountain of Vesuvius." Although his huge eyes were closed, flashes of lightning seemed to shoot from beneath the lids. At his side was an iron club as large as a steeple. About him stood trembling old women fanning him as he slept. King Arthur approached the monster and said to him, "'Wretch, awake and fight, for your hour has come!' The giant, starting up, looked down scornfully upon the king, and laughing, threw his great club at Arthur but the king leapt aside, and the club fell harmlessly on the ground, making a hollow where it struck. Then Arthur rushed toward the giant, waving his good sword Excalibur. The giant caught him in his arms in order to squeeze him to death. The king's armor pressed closer and closer about him, and he began to lose his strength, but he kept his hand upon his scabbard, and so did not die. In a few minutes the monster, making sure that Arthur was dead, dropped him to the ground. After the king had recovered himself, he sprang to his feet, and taking his sword, threw it at the giant. The good steel pierced his neck, and he sank to the ground, shouting so loudly that Sir Kay and Sir Bedivere at the foot of the mountain heard, and trembled for their master's safety. Then the giant again seized Arthur in his arms, and the two began to roll down the mountain side. Whenever Arthur was able to, he struck at the giant with his dagger, wounding him sorely. At last, still struggling and rolling, they came to the spot where Sir Kay and Sir Bedivere were. These two loosed the giant's arms from the king, who then gave one last blow to the monster, killing him. Then he sent Sir Kay and Sir Bedivere for his sword, Excalibur. When the people on the seashore heard what Arthur had done, they fell on their knees and thanked him, offering him all the giant's treasure— He said, however, that he would leave it with them to divide among the poor people of the country. For himself, all he wanted was the giant's iron club. The people sent fifty men to the top of the mountain to get it for him. As they had no horses, it was a long time before they could drag the club to the seashore. There they put it on a barge. It was so heavy that it pressed the barge down till the water came almost to the edge of the vessel. Then King Arthur bade the people good-bye, And took ship with his knights. The grateful men of Brittany stood on the shore, and shouted and waved until the ship could no longer be seen. CHAPTER twelve